dedicated to reviews and discussion of TV, movies, and books. Look for us at Daily Review on Facebook and Twitter and dailyreview.com on the web. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. This is Paul. This is Caroline. And tonight we're here to discuss the 10th episode of the third season of Hulu's The Handmaid's Tale. This one is called... Witness! Witness. Gross! I feel like I immediately knew what was they were going to witness, and I already felt like barfing in my mouth. It was already happening you right didn't away. Think it was a reference to Harrison Ford's one and only Oscar nomination? No, no. Harrison never came to mind. Mm. <laughs> Let's delve right in. Okay, Paul. Last episode we were talking about Waterford and Fred specifically, trying to figure out what exactly is his position right now. How powerful is he? He is more powerful than he was before all this happened, I believe, but only insofar as Winslow likes him and backs him up. I don't know if he likes him. That seems like a very strong word. I feel like he is finding some use for Fred. Okay. I don't think anybody likes anybody. I mean, Serena doesn't even like Fred. We heard Fred's uh, name invoked a couple times in this one before we even saw him. Yes. And they were having this inspection, which I wasn't exactly sure. What are we inspecting? Is this just like their uniforms? What are we actually dude, looking at? That felt like a rancher inspecting the cattle before he took possession or something. But that doesn't make that much sense. We're too we're too much Texas rancher people to know like you'd be looking at teeth and feet and all like they weren't doing that. They just kind of enjoyed the bustling around of making them all run and line up. No one actually got like looked at, looked at. When he noticed the eye patch and said it wasn't regulation or whatever the right terminology was, I was a little freaked out that he was going to something about the mouth hooks the, the was going to come up. They mentioned it right when they were walking in. There was sort of like this like kind of whispering behind the scenes, like kind of walking up where they were saying something about the rings and the veils were still like by choice. Ah, uh, yes, I did hear so that. That's sort However, of like the status of that. That is so hard to believe. Oh, it feels like it's on the way, doesn't it? Yeah, because no one would volunteer for that. I know that Aunt Lydia has it in her mind when she goes, oh, the devotion. But she didn't know what she was talking about when she said that. Right. It was supposed to be some sort of vow of silence. I know. <laughs> I know. The, a vow of silence is about contemplation. In this case, it's like. It's not about physically binding your mouth together. Right. It's about you. No one wants you to be heard from. <laughs> That's a different kind of vow of silence. Good call. Good right? call. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like when we talk to the kids, we don't say, take a vow. <laughs> nice. Okay. So speaking of, you know, somebody who's stepping out of line once again, June, they go over to June. Fred like zeroes in on her, like strides right over to her, gets up in her grill. And we have this whole conversation, which instantly, you know, she answers wrong. Right. How are things going at the Lawrence's? Oh, he respects me. Uh Winslow's like, respects you? Oh, what was she thinking with that answer? She, I mean, I knew it was wrong. And you know how I feel about <laughs> saying a sassy remark. She's a only saying... sassy remark. I mean, she's got her feet under her again. 
I don't know if she realizes that Fred does too in this case. And Winslow isn't really someone that she has the background with to fuck around with. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, the only thing I could think is that knowing you're doing a an inspection, one would think you might be on a little bit better behavior. I mean, it's, it's one thing to, to mouth off in the kitchen, but in like a fucking coliseum, you might want to chill. It's like she's treating this whole thing like a joke. I mean, she's got to know that she's she's still physically there, you know. Yeah, and under their control, 100%. It's almost like, you know, how picture like, say, high school senior in April or May is like. Oh, yeah. Major senioritis here. It's kind of a similar yeah, attitude but I mean, there's like no like graduation day for her. So what the hell? What's I can't explain it. I can't explain the parallel there. Oh, God. Well, okay. Another woman. Unless who, she figures that she's on her way out. Well, I mean, she definitely figures she's on her way out. But I mean, it's just, I mean, what? Why? What? Jesus. Okay. So wait, let's move on over real quick over to another lady who's desperately trying to grasp at some control here. And that's Serena. We have this conversation in Casa Waterford. And Serena has had just about enough of Frederick. We know that months have passed thanks to last episode where June was forced to stay by of Matthew's bedside for some unspecified amount of time. In in that whole time, Nicole wasn't, quote unquote, rescued from Canada. It's so hard to tell what is up in her in her head, you know, like. No, I don't think this is confusing. Fred is using this as leverage right now. Right. Winslow asked him to. So he is like forwarding his career. Yes. So he is like using this as like all kinds of ways to continue to move along in his career. And she has obviously seen this. And she's saying like, you have like lost your, you know, your eyes off the prize here, friend. You need to get back to thinking about our daughter and your selfishness time about worrying about like how high up on the totem pole you can go friggin over. Now, do you think that this was a good idea? Bad idea? What do you think? I think it's naive timing. That Fred has shown only that he wants to grasp his role in Gilead with a lot of as much ambition as they will let let him show. And so, you know, when they took his power away, he was sort of diminished. But when it, this opportunity, quote unquote, came with Nicole, he stepped into it as 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 fully as he could, was granted more power and sounds like he's accepted all that, too. She's coming to him and saying, so let's actually leave this place where you're doing fine. I don't think he, she's saying leave. I think she she's showed saying, him the the walkie-talkie, the 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 satellite phone. Yeah, yeah, but I don't. Do you think she's trying to say leave, or you think she's trying to say we're making no progress on getting Nicole? We need to try another way, and like you need to stop thinking about Gilead and the good of Gilead, and you need to start thinking about the good of Nicole Waterford. Oh my my read on that scene was that she wanted to go. I mean, that's what that, that's the only purpose for I, that phone. I do agree with you. I do agree. But going because we have to get Nicole, right? Yes. Okay. So this is all making sense to me because this is coming after we have this entire witness ceremony sitch going on. Now we're going to set this all up people. This is all disgusting, but it's stemming back from that comment that June made that said, you know, Oh, Lawrence respects me. Uh, makes everybody freak out and now fred decides to invoke you know the devil and say like hey there's some mechanisms in place where we can like you know watch them hump and make sure that he's like doing his duty right the virility uh check Fucking shit dude with the doctor and the everything now this is all to humiliate june correct like she said 
She said the respect thing. Now we're going to have to put her back in her place. Remind her who's who. And oh, maybe I think take I, her out of the Lawrence's house. I think for sure, Fred, now that he's got his his swagger back, he's definitely got his sights set on June in, in a come back home kind of way. Now, what is that about? I mean, is he that into June? I mean, he keeps coming back. Holly, talk to me here. Talk to me. Is she like the hottest handmaid? What is going on? <laughs> what am I missing about this? She's a whole lot of trouble. Yeah, she, she, no. What a, I mean, is, is, is this the chick you're like people are panting after? Or is it just like, she's such a challenge. Like she's, she's like, just, she really, she really is just like, you know, playing hard to get with Fred. You think it's like he wants to break her? I don't know. I'm asking you, like, is that it? Or is this like, he's somehow like super attracted to her? Or is this like, he really just freaking digs like how she plays Scrabble and everything It could be an irrational obsession, you know, like she, he can't get his mind off her and and like, like he- Like stomps right over in the entire Coliseum to go right to June and be like, hey, what's up? I would, I I just happened to choose you (laughs) completely. It's a random pick, June. You answer my questions. You know, like, what? I think he's obsessed. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of this obsession, right, we're going to flip over a little bit to June and talk about her new found purpose and how these, these all these worlds are going to collide in this huge witness ceremony, right? So she heads back with Lydia. She's striding at like 100 miles an hour, Paul. Like, Lydia's like, I'm Joseph. Like, we're slow down. <laughs> Right, because they're like hauling ass to get back there. Were you surprised at the total trading spaces of the Lawrence's abode? I can't say I noticed what was different. Oh, Paul. <laughs> well, what was different? I believe that was new checkered floor, and it was like fancier decor. Yeah, the checkered floor seems. And it was like new. I think it was like lighter and brighter, and like less colonial and more mansiony. Okay. Like a little less family home and a little more grand. Up to DC standards. I don't know per if it Waterford's was. order. I don't know if it was, but I mean, it was certainly a little fancier. I, I guess we're maybe to assume that Winslow's house is, quote unquote, the DC standard. Oh, hell yeah. So hell yeah. Things that kind of measure up to, to that, a former senator's home, probably. So in the time that June's been gone, it turns out that Lawrence is like freaking attending meetings and stuff. Like, what's up with that? Why do you think all of a sudden he's like getting all into the meetings? What What is his motivation? That could be lots of stuff. Oh, well, what's your idea? It could have been just that he perceived that his relevance had started to slip and that he couldn't take that they'll come to me approach anymore. And so he had to, he had to go back in to reassert Make sure that everybody remembered who he was. Mm, okay, that makes a lot of sense to me. Makes um, a lot of sense. Or it could be that he's got something cooking, and but he's got to be there in order to see it through. I don't know. I'm that also that's thinking it. perhaps he wants to get out of the house because the missus is starting to throw things, and apparently they got word via scone that there is no more medication available in the Berg of Gilead. There's no way to get more, so via the bakery lingo that we do, there is no way to get it. And Eleanor is now throwing stuff. Was interesting, she was throwing stuff and supposedly being all crazy and yet freaking lucid. Like when June goes to her and is like, hey, you know, have you considered like leaving? And she's all like, you mean to get mood stabilizers instead of herbal tea? Yeah, that's crossed my mind. That's what's interesting about her character. I mean, it makes sense with the bipolar disorder, but she does have those moments where she's totally all there and says captivating things like that. I very much understand and appreciated these couple of moments in these epi- in this particular episode that really shed light on people's motivation. 
Finally, in a couple of sentences, Eleanor reveals why the Lawrences can't leave. It's not that Joseph doesn't want to leave. It's that he's a war criminal. And if they leave, he's going to be killed. He's going to be brought up on charges and definitely executed. So, and she even says, and rightfully so, look what he's done, right? Now we finally get it. Why are the Lawrence's hands tied? Why is he so, for lack of a better word, schizophrenic about like helping people, not helping people, helping people, not helping people? Because I think that he really does want to leave, but he can't leave. So he has these like moments where he's like trying to let people go. And then other moments where he's like, like no one can leave, you know, shut up, go to your room. I thought that that was fascinating motivation. Did you ever put that together that like, oh, Joseph can't leave? Or did you always think, no, he doesn't want to leave? Like we'd been given this credit of like, oh, he's doing some sort of research project. He doesn't want to leave because he's like trying to observe and see this through. I didn't put it together, but I had been comparing the Gilead regime to the Taliban. And if you think about it in those terms, then what would be the likelihood of just a rogue Taliban person deciding that they want to leave Afghanistan, you know, several years ago when that was still a thing and just come across and be like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm done with that now. We would have been like, no way. And it's the same deal. Well, there was just recently that story of that woman who tried to do that. Remember, she like left as like a teenager and she was going to have her baby and then she wanted to come back. And Canada was like, I don't think so, because she wanted to give birth. But like she had been in this like extremist situation and everyone was like, I don't believe that you're not actually an extremist terrorist that is now trying to come back into our country. Yeah. So like that actually just happened. So for him to kind of come back and be like, hey, so I know I'm like the architect of Gilead, but like I'm kind of over it. And like, plus my wife needs meds. So can I just like bebop back over? Over here and they're like ah no eh, not gonna happen makes sense and makes sense what june says after we finally have like this great connection with the whole swiss committee people right the council where it's like if you can provide substantial information and or like goods like children they're willing to pardon you so mm. now we were sort of given that information right and june was actually handed that information she didn't have to guess that or make it up or anything because of that conversation now we know okay she's being legit if they did get a get a whole lot of kids out of there and lawrence like rides out of there like a cowboy uh i think she's probably right that they would somehow i mean he would have to do something i don't know what life in prison i don't know but maybe something would be spared I don't know how you pull back and be like, so it turns out subjugating women and putting people in prison and kidnapping people was a bad idea. I repent. You'd have to be a kept dude, you know, like a house arrest sort of thing. Oh, hells yeah. That's why I said like and life. The, the rest of his life would be helping whoever is in charge. Counseling women. PTSD. No, it'd be more like, I mean, America still exists. It's just a very small country now. So it seems like they would be the right recipients for him. Right. And, okay. and that. Because the crime is really against America, not just the world. True. I mean, but war crimes are sort of a world crime. It's, every, it's shit everybody agrees is, is beyond the scope of war. But I think America would be the right person to get him, right entity to get him. And in that case, he could be useful in lots of I mean, most military type stuff, yeah, getting informant. back into Gilead. Right. Informant, man. Totally. So he does have some value that way, but it doesn't mean he's not a prisoner for the rest of his life. I agree, but, but... But he's kind of a prisoner this way. He's way a prisoner, and he's watching his wife deteriorate. At least if he's a prisoner in America and she's getting medical help, at least he has that peace of mind. America, in this case, is Hawaii. Could be worse, bro. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so the meat of this episode is this witnessing of this ceremony, okay? Now, we figure out that the Lawrences have never, in fact, participated in a ceremony. 
Joseph, for as messed up as he is with all of these freaking rules that he's made, apparently made a deal with Eleanor that he would like never dip into the company Inc. <laughs> right? Right. So they've never gone through this process. On one hand, bravo to them for trying to somehow like be a regular couple. And on the other hand, I appreciate it when June said, did you never think it was going to come for you? Like you made these rules, you jackass. He's like the universe's largest hypocrite. Oh my God. And it's like karma's going to get your ass. Literally, Paul. That he didn't know that they had a mechanism for quote unquote inspecting. Uh, or that he thought he was above it. One of those things. I don't know if he didn't know. Although sometimes when he says stuff like, remember that, remember that, that episode when he said, What's, What's the punishment for a handmaid opening the front door? Yeah. Now, I mean, it seemed rhetorical, like he knew something. But then now he says other things like, I wonder how much the taser, you know, the, the, the strength is in that cattle prod, like that kind of stuff. It does make you wonder, like, did you pay any attention to like the actual rules that were put into place or what? Maybe he's a big picture guy. Ah. Leaves the details to everybody else. Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> perhaps. Okay, let's get into the nitty gritty. So for those of you who are like hiding your eyes, we're going to just give it to you like real quick. So basically, Winslow, Serena, and Fred and Aunt Lydia show up with a doctor. They're all going to stay downstairs and have some cocktail hour during the... It's like kind of like when the bride and groom have to go take pictures after the, the wedding ceremony, you know? Yeah. It's like they got to go... They're going to go have the cocktail hour. Meanwhile, we have to have June and the house people, right? Like the, the freaking Marthas who like embarrassingly don't even know what side of the room to stand on. Like they don't know they're supposed to be over here. And June, oh my God, how like full fucked up circle is this that she has to be like you're doing it wrong you have to stand over here yeah. and she has to be the one to tell the lawrence is like no we actually gotta burp, burp, do this because the doctor's here to you know inspect the cervix and whatnot now i don't know what the whole scene is here i don't know i mean i can say i'm gonna, I'm gonna spread a little information for you <laughs> spread it <laughs> I can say that when you are supposed to have like your well woman exam for like, you know, that year, they do say like, mm, I'm like having sex right before that. Okay. Because I guess to the doctor's eyes, I suppose things are kind of like, I don't know, a little out of sorts than normal in there. I'm not exactly sure. We could do the research. I don't care to be an OB right now. So I'm not going to look it up. But Certainly your body, I just said certainly, certainly y'all, your body, I guess, shows some signs. Now, if it was a rape or something, sure, we all understand there would be like force signs or I don't even know what, I don't even want to say the words, you know, body trauma. Okay. But assuming that these people are somewhat relaxed about the situation somehow, then I don't know exactly what would be seen. The doctor, I don't know if he can see, like, ejaculation with his eyes way down in there. Like, I'm not sure. I mean, Maybe all... it's a few different factors that he puts oh, together. Right. What you got? Maybe there's a wet spot on the bed? Is this what you're suggesting? Well, you know, some 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 ejaculate. Maybe some... Uh, this is gruesome, y'all. Some, some... You were uh, hiding your eyes, and now we're like, I'm other, like, oh, I'm going to keep stuff, it real cool for you. Some friction. I don't even know. I don't know. know. Now I feel like I want to be like you guys. This is just weird. 
the whole thing so far. To me, what I'm wondering though is, okay, and I shouldn't even say if I'm wondering, I believe this entire exercise is just an exercise in humiliation. We're humiliating Joseph and his wife. We're humiliating June. We're making her actually have to get like her body not only raped, but also a doctor has to check that she's been raped thoroughly. In that meeting in his house earlier, had he disrespected Fred in any way? Well, remember when Fred and June were kind of talking in the dining room when she was lighting the candelabras? Uh-huh. And he kind of came in and was like, what do you two talk about? Like, I would say he wasn't, like, cool. Okay, but that's right? not, that's not, like, oh, but uh, I don't think this quiet was... down, Fred, the adults are talking. Like, that's the sort of, that's the sort of thing I'm I thinking I don't believe of. it was like that, but I do believe it's about June. Hello, June slashed at Serena. Do you think she kept that to herself or do you think she told Friedrich? That's a fair question. She tried to play it off like nothing happened. I don't even know. Did she? We don't really know what she said to the doctor in the hall. She might have been like, hey, that one went berserk. She slashed my arm. My sleeve's all fucked up. I got to go sew it. Like, I don't know. Did she have to get a new dress? Did she like hem it? I don't know. Did she, <laughs> did <laughs> did she make thing? it into a sleeveless model? Did, did she maybe use that? What's that called? No sew? Glue? I, I don't even I don't know, know about that. I think things. we've saw her do some sewing. But still, you'd be able to see the seam on the sleeve, Paul. That's all I'm saying. So it just doesn't seem like it would look original. No, they're burning that dress. It's over. Oh, my God. Okay, so the actual ceremony. Are we trying to keep it light here, you guys? Yes, we are. Because this is all disgusting and gross. So you can either, like, appreciate the dailies being a little bit sassy about this. Or you can, like, say, like, they're really fucked in the brain. And, like, you don't want to listen to this. I totally understand. But we are feeling like... This show is getting so heavy and this was so disgusting and so humiliating and so demeaning that if we don't take it with a little bit of like a sillier approach, this is really hard to ingest, I feel like. On Agree, that note, Mr. Daly? the scenes where Eleanor figures oh, out what is going on my God, and her reaction really hit me in the gut, you know? Talk it, to me. Why? I have... As a parent, been in that situation where you have someone that is carrying on in a loud, emotional, sad way, okay. and you need them to stop right now because right. others are around and things could go badly for you if they don't. Okay. So I could appreciate both June and Joseph being like, come on. Yeah, yeah. Like, we need you to be quiet because bad things are going to happen to you and to all of us. But then with, I mean, the way the actress put such a raw emotional, like, terror, like, like I can't believe this is happening kind of terror yeah. into her performance seems so genuine and, and, I mean, real. It just really felt real. Like, she really felt like she was falling apart right there. And yeah. It, and to like have to watch your spouse of like we can only assume many many. She couldn't. Years. She was behind a curtain and she was she went to sleep or like or at least not sleep. She, she kind of curled up in a ball. Right. She like shut a, like a child down. She yeah. Sh she shut down. And, yeah. Oh, I felt man. awful for her. Okay, so it's one thing to say, say you walked in on your spouse who was like making passionate love to someone else. Could you stomach that versus? Could you walk in your spouse who was raping someone against their will? Like, these are like very different situations. Like some people might say, well, it's hard on her because she's having to deal with infidelity or cheating or something like that. But like, no, y'all, this isn't infidelity or cheating. He's not in love with June. This is full on institutionalized rape. And she has to like be 
literally witness to it. And she considers June a friend. This is another case in this show where the institutionalized rape part of it doesn't actually require that the man involved is a willing party either. Yes, I agree with that because he's not. I mean, he says, look, we'll just sit up here for 20 minutes and then we'll go back down. And it's June who has to say like, bummer, like that is not the way this is going to work because the doctor's going to actually check out the scene, you know, and mm. so we can't do that now. OK, you guys, logistically, I'm going to talk real straight talk here again. OK, I find it pretty hard to believe that Joseph could actually perform in this scenario. Realistically. No, I'm not asking you to speak personally. I'm asking you to speak for like the male race. It's one thing for a woman to have to lay there. Okay. Now I'm telling you, I feel very few women would be able to provide the lubrication necessary to make this remotely okay for anyone but let's pretend there's some sort of augmenting of that okay but for him not only does he have to get to step one he has to come to completion yeah in order for this to be okay so what do you think about this could this happen? super Would this happen? hard uh, oh god he just said super hard really paul in the vein of difficulty and Dude, he just said vain. <laughs> Look, I'm just a member of the race. Oh okay? my god! <laughs> I stand tall and strong, <laughs> at slightly to the right. Your concern is valid. He I is not a young is. man. He doesn't want to be doing what he's doing. His wife is wailing. His wife is crying. (laughs) I mean, talk about like a boner killer. Right. For anyone for whom uh, wife crying isn't a boner killer. Shame on you. Right. You've got big issues, man. This whole thing was awful. Okay. And what I find fascinating about it is how through this absolute traumatic experience that they have to go through and and actually kind of turns out to be humiliating for the Waterfords because Serena was not interested in doing this. Like she's like, this is not necessary. And when the doctor comes down and says like, yes, everything like happened as it was supposed to, then the whole concept that they took the night off to go have cocktails in someone else's house in order to inspect sex with the handmaid is like suddenly like embarrassing that they did that. You well, know? And that, that feeds right into, I feel like we're wasting our time here on anything that's not Project Nicole. Yes. And that, of course, does. That's what leads Serena to be like, look, whatever your obsession was with June We need to fucking move on with the story. Okay, so the very interesting and I think human response to this, I actually appreciate that the storyline makes very good sense to me, is that it would bond Eleanor, Joseph, June, and even the staff who has to stand in the room with them, right? To make them think we never want to go through this again. Like this was awful and the only way to get out of here is to work together and really do something here. So how are we going to have this scenario that was so traumatic? It's like Fred pushed their hand. Like, I don't think Joseph would have necessarily done anything had Fred not pulled the witness card. Do you? 
Like, I don't think, I mean, he was a nudged along by Eleanor's medication, but I, don't, I think that they were on the same old, same old track. Like, no. well, drink your herbal tea, blah, blah, blah. But now Fred, like, unwittingly pushed this the, the plan forward. The irony. If this was a show for for which there was only a couple seasons left, and we don't have that indication, I you know then what? you might you might see Joseph being this really powerful enemy to have pissed off because the guy obviously knows how to plan something. You know what I mean? And he's got really bizarre out of the box ideas. Out of the box <laughs> is a kind way of saying it, right? And and like no no real boundaries for what he considers not okay on that frontier, right? Uh, so he definitely has no ethics when it comes to boxes. <laughs> nice. So in that light, if you could say maybe in a couple seasons get Joseph out and he becomes sort of the architect of undoing. Gilead, because it's going to take something major. That would be kind of interesting, but I but we don't really have that indication like that that's anything to expect. Okay, so this big plan of getting out the children involves getting the files to figure out where all the children are. And I do think, again, this actually seemed smart, finally smart, that June realized that focusing on her own child and only her own child was not the way that you're going to get people on team I kept June. calling her selfish. That's right. The way to do it is to actually go find everyone else's kids. And if you could get them, then now you have the other kids' names, and now you would get some buy-in, some real buy-in from them. Can you even try to describe Alma's like change of heart when she's like at the freezer case and June first approaches her versus when she gets a little info about her kid? Well, they staged kind of the, I guess, the symbolism of using the freezer cases pretty smartly in this case. Is smartly a word? Smartly. It is? Smartly. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, it is in this podcast. Oh, okay. Sorry. We we are Miriam Webster and Daly yeah. tonight. By that, I mean Alma has the ability to both open and close the door on a discussion physically. Oh, I like that. And when June mentions her son, she reopens the door. She was She had already taken herself out of the freezer at that point. But then she reopens the door and, you know, wants to keep talking. The doors. That's how she manifested her attitude toward the whole discussion. I thought it was very kind and a real change from the last episode of how June behaved with Janine. Last episode, I was extremely disappointed in June for almost using Janine's childlike ways to offer up the scalpel to Janine and make her the fall guy for killing of Matthew. There was a moment there where it really seemed like she was like being like the devil on Janine's shoulder. Like, come on, this makes sense. We're doing the right thing. A, I'm proud of Janine for like holding her ground and realizing like you're crazy and this is too much. But thank God there was a real change of heart here and the desire to protect Janine about her son and about him having passed away. And again, reminding us all that life is precious and fragile and prayer and all the different things they're doing. Just because you bring a baby into this world does not mean that they live a full healthy life by any means. And that I thought the line when she said, 
prayer can't stop a car accident was like, oh yeah, car accidents, in case you don't know, we have at Texas Children's is like our local hospital. And when you call to make an appointment, very awkwardly, the first thing that you hear is this recording that says, welcome to Texas Children's. Please stay on hold. The number one cause of deaths of children is car accidents. So make sure you buckle up. Blah, blah, blah. I place this whole thing. So it has been drilled in my head for 16 years of calling that number that car accidents are the number one causes of death for kids. So this was so realistic that of course some children would die of just normal everyday accidents, probably drinking some poison from under the sink, you know, falling downstairs, just like very normal, very kids or kids accidents happen. You know, probably some people have swimming pools, you know, but just it now, normal stuff. It now creates an opportunity for there to be a problem between the two of them if Janine ever finds, no one would know this was just between them that June lied to Janine. But- I think it would be so far down the line, though. Like, they would have to get completely out of here, in my mind. I think they would have to get completely to the other side. And then Janine thinks, okay, now I'm ready to go look for my child. And then that information, I think, would come out. I think think. Unless there's some sort of like, we're going to bring all the files with us, which maybe because you want to have some proof, right? Because mm. you have a picture of the handmaid. They they went through the trouble. And I, I, I thought this was a very Chekhov's gun situation. They wrote in those files and they showed it to us in those files, the handmaid's name, the child's original name, and the changed name. That was an important documentation of events to prove this is the mom, this is the original name, this is the changed name. Because they easily could have just put the handmaid's name and the child's changed name. There was really no reason to document the child's original name. Right. So by doing that, though, it's the proof that the handmaids will need to get their children back on the other side, have custody and to be able to say, no, these are our children. Good point. Right now, the plan doesn't include moving handmaids, though. Only kids. Yes, but, I mean, moving kids out is the first step to taking down Gilead, no? I mean, if they move all the children out and they show all the children to the different governments, the thought process would be, I think we're not working with Gilead and we're going to somehow take down Gilead. I think, right? And also, my God, the wind is out of the sails of all the adults in Gilead. No, I mean, they no longer have children. That would be a pretty wicked way to end the season, right? Where she decides to stay on the goddamn truck this time, goes to Canada, and then they ship Nicole back to Gilead. Oh my God. You know, that could totally happen. There has to be some sort of switcheroo, right? Where then, oh my God, does she have to sneak back into Gilead? Probably. My God, this is cuckoo. It's like one of those revolving doors. You know, you're like, what the hell? One thing I did want to ask you, several parts to this. Did you think it was reasonable that Eleanor would know where those files are? Did you think it was reasonable that Eleanor would like escort her down to the basement and like actually show her where the files are? Or what? Like, It's consistent. With- it is consistent, I suppose. I just thought that it seemed odd that she would know where the files are. Well, no, it's not weird because she's in her room so much that, you know, directing traffic on where to put files. What do you mean in her room so much? That's where Commander Lawrence likes her to kind of be. Why would she know that the files from his office? Because you wouldn't see shit coming into the house if you're in your room all the time. Okay, but then why would Eleanor know where the files are? 
I'm saying that she wouldn't because she's in her room. But she does know where they are and she tells June and she leads her right to the box. So I'm saying like, you're right. She does hang out in her room all the time. And I don't get the impression that Joseph talks shop with her a whole lot. So why would she know where the boxes are of all the handmaid's children? Is that a little weird? Only maybe that they've been there a while, perhaps. Maybe sometimes like how she was down there dithering around and saying like, oh, I was looking for that. And it seemed like she was going to come dancing by with like a dress form or something, you know, like, oh, my God, what is she doing now? (laughs) You know, like some sort of bed noms and broomsticks routine around June. I mean, it definitely seemed like she brings this like real flighty, strange. I I think it's interesting. I sound like I'm making fun and I'm not making fun. A, not making fun of mental illness at all. I find it fascinating that her and Janine represent this slice of the pie that would retreat to this childlike, don't ask a lot of questions, keep it simple, try to just uh, get along on a very, I hate to say the word immature because that's not right, but it's like simple level because if you think too hard about it, you'll go really crazy. So you have to like keep it at this like really basic level. And I need to be super clear because obviously mental health is a huge issue. It's a huge issue in our own household. It's a huge issue for people, all lots of friends, lots of people we know. Mental health is very, very important. I just find it fascinating the way that they try to kind of use Mrs. Lawrence as like kind of, and Janine for that matter, kind of like a break in the tension, you know, because she is sort of dithering around down in the basement, like, oh, there's my sweater. Oh, you know, when it's a very serious thing that's going on, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a very pivotal thing that's going on. And instead they could have put music over that was like, dun, 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 but they didn't. They had Eleanor flitting around. What what strikes you about that? How How do you think that they are doing in sort of trying to balance the dramatic heaviness by sort of inserting these characters that it's strange to say add some sort of whimsical nature to it, but somehow break the tension a little. Well, they have to. Otherwise, the show would be too heavy all the time. And the cool part about adding in a a bipolar character like Eleanor is that it can come and go and she can add drama in the moments she needs to add drama and she can add normalcy or a lucid perspective when she needs to do that. And it doesn't need to have a rhyme or reason why she's one way or the other at any given time. Yeah. They sort of gave her this like catch all excuse, like, well, she's having a good day or a bad day, you know? And that's like kind of okay. I do want to talk about the idea that Lawrence offered the morning after pill it it appeared to June. Let's talk about that for just a second. seems like a hanging offense just even having that it absolutely was and she said that like if they were to figure out that i took this everybody would die in this household right why do you think he chose to do that why not allow her to become pregnant it goes back to that weird hypocrite part of his makeup like how we've been saying all along that he's an academic that yeah, he came up, he wrote a paper maybe that was like, well, you could, you could start a country focused with this way and, 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 and have it focused on children and, and blah, 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 and make Gilead, blah, blah, blah. And then it turns into a real thing, but that doesn't mean he's actually totally in his soul invested in it. 
it was just sort of a mental uh, project, you know, it was, an, it was an exercise that that somehow came to fruition. Right. So, so he's not all in is what I'm trying to say. So do you think also like the baby would obviously be this like insane reminder to Eleanor of like what happened that night? And if we could just sort of like brush it under the rug, that would be better. Well, I mean, yeah, in, in, a, in, a, in a basic way, but the other way is just that they don't actually want that baby for as much as they're supposed to. Everybody want babies all the time. That is one baby nobody wants. Wait. Not Eleanor, not him, not not June. Wait, why do you think Eleanor and Joseph don't want that baby? Because they've been skipping the ceremonies this whole time. Yeah, but I thought that they were skipping the ceremonies this whole time out of like this, you know, I don't even know what, the disdain for being outside their marriage. There's that. But because the, remember the true point, Gilead mindset is that you're supposed to overlook all that in the name of creating more babies. Right, 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 right. Well, and I remember, I mean, Eleanor's excuse for why they never had kids made sense to me that Joseph never wanted to because it was going to affect Eleanor's medication schedule. And then in that way, it was going to be detrimental to her. So it never made sense to try to basically sacrifice her health for the health of the baby. And maybe I will say, maybe in this case, it would be sacrificing her mental health even further. Like her, how do I want to say, not her mental health, like having to do with her actual disease, but mental health, maybe not even that, her heart, you know, to like see a woman be pregnant with her husband's baby would like break her heart. Like it was protecting that. Do you think Makes that's sense. right? Yeah. Also find it odd that he had morning after pills available. I don't just mean available, but I mean like in the kitchen right then. I don't know how much heads up they had on the ceremony. It didn't seem like that much because they certainly hadn't talked about it. No, they couldn't have. So I'm not so sure what exactly went on with that. That was a very strange and world building though scene. Well, we do know that commanders can get a hold of things that other people can't. But that doesn't mean that they can get a hold of like nuclear weapons, which is kind of what this is. In I mean, in this world, absolutely. Okay, so we finally have like a very focused goal that now has a variety of participants. We have handmaids who are on board because now they have some inkling that they may get their own children back. We have the Lawrences on board because they figure, okay, we actually have some cachet here with the children and perhaps we could save Joseph's life and get help for Eleanor. Certainly we have June. I mean, ringleader June. How did you feel when they said that muffins mean yes and that the Martha network had responded and they pull the camera back to that like island in the kitchen? First of all, I knew that scones were a good choice for no. Me too. Scones are gross. Because they're not that good. No, they are nasty. They're like bricks of dough. They are triangles of dough. <laughs> to be specific. Not good. Triangle's the least good shape. So even before they pulled back. Round, great. I knew. Square, even fine. Rectangle, great. Triangle, I could tell they were shaping up for a big reveal, right? Yeah. Because it was kind of crowding in. Well, their eyes were like, right? They had this big explanation. And you know what? We had an ending looking at the muffins. I can't recall, but I don't think we swooped up into June's face, did we? God, I hope we didn't. I don't think so. I feel like we focused on the muffins instead. So for all those like trying to count down the moments when we'd finally get an ending that doesn't include nostrils, I think we may have just gotten muffin tops. I wonder if what cupcakes mean. 
something real good. Gilead's over, I think. Okay, so you guys, do we have any pressing questions, Paul, moving forward? Did you appreciate the Jaws reference? Yeah, it was a little out of place, but yeah. It was very out of place. But yeah. Every once in a while, they try to jam a a modern little something-something in there, right? Well, I like the quote. I, I use it myself whenever, you know. I need a bigger boat. Sure. And that is commonly, you always bring the small boat. So (laughs) we always have more stuff. That's true. That's true. So, all right, moving forward here, Paul, here's my question. We are in episode 10. We only have three left. What do you think we can accomplish in three episodes? And what is like a fulfilling season end for season three? We can get the truck and find the children in that amount of time and get them moving. And with the Waterfords, something can happen there too. They can either have Canada let us all down and give them back Nicole, or they could even defect. I don't know why the war criminal thing. Oh, isn't in play for Fred? Right. Right. See, I just don't, I just don't know. Because the man was just talking to Serena. He wasn't talking to both of them. Yeah, I know. The defecting thing, sorry, I'm only like 50-50 on that. I don't think Fred's going anywhere. No, I don't either. And I understand that what you were saying about the sat phone and all that stuff, but I just think, I kind of feel like she was using that as just like, look, I have a direct lifeline. We no longer have to go through the governmental, you know, Swiss council kind of thing. Look, I have a direct lifeline to get her, you know? So I wasn't taking it like, she thought it would be a successful defection. Is defection a word? Yeah. Defection. Smartly. You smartly defectioned. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But so honestly, where are we going to get? Do you think we have children in a truck with a tarp over it and a big spot floodlight on there and they're all their little tiny eyes in episode 13? Is that how it ends? Do we have June realize that like Nicole got shipped back when they were shipping out children? They do end on cliffhangers. They do. So what do you think? And you know, I have to say, when you were saying that it reminded you of the Taliban, it actually reminds me a ton of Nazi war crimes. And it reminds me of like shipping children out and all that stuff. Like that feels very, very, very familiar. That idea of like pulling back a tarp and seeing little tiny children eyes seems very World War II Nazi, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering, how far are we going to get? And like, what is a successful end? Like, can they just get everything in place and we're okay with season three ending? Or do they need to be having all the kids on the truck? Are they going to have kids who don't want to go? I mean, they're kids. So yeah, it's going to be a mess. It is going to be a mess. I wouldn't want to do it. I'd be like, the first one of you, the Sesney thing, we're just going to leave here. And then they'd probably be like, well, depending on who they were, they may be like, well, okay. So, so you, you wouldn't get on the get on the, the, the truck to freedom? I'm just saying there are kids that would probably not want to go. Like you need you, a lot of Benadryl on this trick. <laughs> I would think if you were about 10, you're probably the biggest liability. Because I feel like if you were a little older than that, you probably remember clearly enough what life was like before. And you probably remember your mom and dad. Okay. Yeah. If you're younger than 10, I think you're like Hannah. I think that you don't really remember your mom and dad. And you could probably be told enough stuff to get on the truck anyway. Right. Because you're just kind of listening. But if you're about 10, I feel like you're big enough to put up a fight, but your memories are real foggy about what things were like before. So you're like a real liability, you know? Mm-hmm. It feels like there's going to be a lot of 10-year-olds in the mix. Sounds right. Feels that way. Yeah, like, it kind of reminds me of like very like Annie when like the orphans kind of turn on each other and like, you know, tell on each other. 
fucking what's her name pepper <laughs> to get herself out of trouble she you know like tell on annie and stuff you know like stuff like that like i feel like there's like something there knuckle sandwich knuckle sandwich all right you guys so this was episode 10 we only have three episodes left i want a quick prediction paul how many seasons does this show go two more two more so we're yeah i think five is way enough i would actually be very satisfied with four like unless we are getting like some serious serious new information that is like world building to the hilt like we got to make this go big 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 so that season five is like practically like multiple nations are involved and like a lot of people are involved i kind of just like if this drags out it's got to give something the, the finale for this season needs to give some people something to look forward to or they're going to lose i think a uh, lot of i don't know a third of the viewership or something because this is this has been a rough been been for too long and a rough season like it was one thing for her to get to not go with because she needed to go back for hannah but she has we're 10 episodes in and she's no closer to hannah and so it's like this particular season she's worse off yeah and it's just feeling like worse and worse and worse and worse. Do you think there's any plausibility that that Hannah's family defected? No. No? You think they're in somewhere? I don't know what to call it if it's not Gilead. Like if they're in D.C. or if they're in like another neighborhood, do we still call it Gilead? Yeah. I mean, it's the name of the country. But they don't have like names of like sections, but they do have D.C. as a name of a section. Yeah. They haven't right? told us much about regional naming. They don't even call Boston, Boston. We just know it is. Right. Okay. All right, you guys. Well, we have some questions. I hope you guys have some insight on this because we are definitely looking for input. So if you guys want to tweet us, hit us up there. If you want to hit us up over on Facebook or on Daily Review, we certainly would appreciate your feedback. Let us know what you think. Like, how are you feeling? What would it take for this season to end in a way that you feel hopeful or at least you feel like fulfilled that like your time was well spent you saw a storyline that you were like still invested in what would that take what would that look like so thanks you guys so much for listening thanks a lot catch us on itunes or your preferred podcast software our website dailyreview.com that's d-a-l-e-y review.com facebook or twitter or wherever you find us, please leave us a comment and a rating to let us know what you think of the show. Thanks for listening, pot people. Thanks for listening to my mom and dad. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Just go home, folks.